0: Today's message title is Me and My Big Mouth. Um, now, I want to start with a little survey here. Uh, for all the guys in the room, have you ever asked a woman when she was due and she wasn't? Right? Raise your hands bold and proud. Uh, a couple of us. Okay. Well, I think the average guy does this on average just one time. All right? It just it shuts it down after that. We just don't do it again. Now, I've, I've never done that, but I have had plenty of embarrassing uh, moments in my life where I've said things that I wish I hadn't said or said them different than I, than I did. Um, and unfortunately, it happens quite a lot. Um, so uh, one time I was meeting with a, a family. I was going to do a funeral for someone that I had never actually met. It happens once in a while. And, and so we're sitting down and we are talking about the plans for the, the funeral. What do we want to do in the the songs, and what do you want me to share about this person, and, and uh, we're doing all the preparation that you do when you're going to uh, officiate a funeral, and uh, unfortunately, though, my preparation did not include how to say the, per- the deceased person's name correctly. So the whole funeral, I am saying, uh, you're, you're all just uncomfortable now, aren't you? Uh, that, that's how I felt when I realized halfway through the service, I don't think I'm saying this person's name right, and I can tell by the look on the family. And that's why this message is me and my big mouth, not you and your big mouth. Because me and my big mouth gets me in trouble sometimes. And see, we all have moments like this, don't we? Where, And hopefully not like mine, but we all have moments where it's me and my big mouth. And the problem is, once the words are out of our mouths, they're just out there, aren't they? And what we're going to discover today, and, and you already know this, but what we'll discover or rediscover is that that the, the words, they get us in a whole, whole lot of trouble and they can cause all sorts of pain in life. But what I believe and what we're going to learn today is that I can learn to keep this thing in check, that I can learn to keep my big mouth in check. Now, the push of this message comes from this incredible verse in Proverbs 18.21 and this comes from the message version. It says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. And then here's going to be the driver for us today. You choose. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. That you and I get to choose. Now, and here's where we're going to go today. I'm going to lay a quick foundation from Scripture on how powerful our words can be. And then I want to challenge you uh, to, to put these four powerful practices Uh, that you can add them to your life, that I think can start affecting you getting control of this in your life. And and let's be honest, some of us, we need to get this under control. Now, one of the the best teachings on this, on on words, and what comes out of our mouths comes from the book of James. And and here's what James says in, in James 3, verse 2. Indeed, we all make mistakes. Now let's be honest, we could just end the message right there, and if we got that part, got that we all make mistakes, that we're all sinners, that we all need Jesus, if that's all we left with today, that, that's huge. That's all there is right there, that if we begin with that, that we all make mistakes. But I want to say to somebody in the room that maybe has felt like that's all they've ever made, that, it, that all they've ever been told that they make is mistake after mistake, You may have made mistakes with your words. You have made mistakes with your actions. You have said things that have cost you relationships, cost you your job. You've done things that have damaged people around you. You've made mistakes. But I want you to hear this today. You are not a mistake. You're not a mistake. You've made mistakes, but that's not who you are. So James says, we all make mistakes. But then he goes on to say, if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could control our whole selves in every way. In other words, what he's saying is that if you can control your mouth, then that is about as perfect as it can get. If you're able to control and keep in check what comes out of your mouth, then your whole body will actually be in check. And then he gives us three quick illustrations of what he means. He says this, We can make a large horse go wherever we want it to go by means of a small bit in its mouth. Now, you don't know this about me, but when I was growing up, when I was a kid, I was a Boy Scout, and one of the the badges that you could earn as a Boy Scout, because that's kind of the goal of being a Boy Scout, right, is to earn merit badges. One of the the merit badges that you could earn was the equestrian badge, the horse badge. And I earned this badge one summer, and so I know something about horses and and the bits in their mouths. Now, so what if it took me two summers to earn the merit badge, and it was the only merit badge that I ever earned, true story. Worst Boy Scout ever right here. But I did learn this. I learned that 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 little bit weighs only one pound. And it can control the whole body of a horse that weighs 1,000 pounds or more. Clydesdale's weigh up to 2,000 pounds. And you put this little bit in its mouth, and you don't control just the mouth, you control the whole body. Now, if you've never ridden a horse before or have never thought about that before, but you have ever fed a baby, you know what James is talking about. Raise your hand if you have ever, when you're feeding a baby, taken that spoon and just kind of moved that spoon around, right? Okay, I'm not the only bad parent in here. Great. So what happens when you do that? What does the baby do? They follow you around, right? That's James's point, where, where that this small little thing can control the whole body. James says that's the power of the tongue the power of the mouth, the power of the words that you and I use. Then he goes on to say this. He says, take a a ship, uh, and and a small rudder makes a huge ship. And I want you to think about an aircraft carrier here. Think about this aircraft carrier that is over three football fields long. It can carry up to 5,000 crew members. It weighs over 100,000 pounds. It's just incredible that it actually floats. But watch this. Watch what James says. A small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. James says, take a, a ship that is massive and driven by the winds, or in our case, engines, and it, can, it goes wherever it is steered by a small little rudder. And that rudder goes wherever the pilot tells it to go. James says, this tiny little bit controls a horse. A tiny little rudder steers the entire ship. And then he goes on to say this, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. It seems like every year we watch on TV and, and hear about these huge, massive forest fires that that are raging out of control in California or just recently in Australia. And and thousands of acres are burned and hundreds of homes are destroyed and millions of dollars are spent trying to put these fires out. About 13 years ago, two days into one of these massive fires in California that destroyed 39,000 acres, 60 square miles, millions of dollars of damage, 20 homes were destroyed, in the midst of that, these parents walk into the police station with their 13-year-old son, and they look at him and they say, tell him what you did. And the little boy speaks up and says, I, set the, I started the fire. I was playing with matches. Now think about this, and this is James's point. Matches that can fit in the palm of your hand have the potential to start a fire that destroys 39,000 acres of land. 60 square miles of land. Enormous manpower to put out this fire. It is absolutely mind-blowing that one little match can do all that damage. And James says that's exactly what the tongue can do. It's as tiny as a match, but causes huge, out-of-control fires and enormous damage. It's why people say things like this, All I said was, and she exploded. All I said was, and now he won't talk to me. She won't talk to me. James says our words can start a fire that we can't put out. And once that fire is started, it just burns and burns and burns and the damage is done. And everything we want and everything that we love is going up in flames right before our eyes. And here's why. It's because you and I, we often underestimate the power of our words. We underestimate what this tiny little thing can do, that it can spark this this fire that our words can cause, especially when they're hurtful or poisonous or painful words, that they can cause huge, huge consequences in our lives. Well, then James goes on to say, And among all the parts of the, the body, the tongue is the flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. If you've ever had a a job, you get this. If you repeatedly call your boss incompetent, they don't just fire your mouth, right? They fire your whole body. If you've ever been in a relationship and and you keep saying dumb things to the person you're dating, guess what? They don't just break up with your mouth. They break up with your whole body, right? Right? James says the tongue is full of wickedness and it can ruin your life. You can, your, your tongue can actually burn down your marriage. Your tongue can burn down relationships with your mom or your dad. You can, you can burn down relationships with your, your son or your daughter. You can burn down your company with the words that come out of your mouth, your, your career, your future. With your words, you can burn it all down because that's how lethal the power that can come from our mouth. For some of us, it's sarcasm. Your words are sharp, you're you're cutting, or maybe you're unnecessarily negative. You just everything around you is negative and you just point out the negative in everything. But for some of us, it's it's not necessarily the words that we speak, it's the ones that we write. We've sent text messages, emails, we've posted things on social media and they are some of the most poisonous things that we've ever put out there, but we would never think about saying them to anybody's face because we would never be so bold. So James, James goes through all this teaching and he unloads this warning for us on how powerful and dangerous our words can be and how deadly our tongue can be when we don't keep it in check. And then it's as if James says, well, I've said enough about that. I'm moving on. And I don't know about you, but I'm left thinking, well, I, you know what? I, now I know I got a problem. I want something to do with that problem. So what do I do, James? How do I, how do I fix this? Well, the good thing is the Bible doesn't leave us hanging there because from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, it really talks about the words that come out of our mouths. And so it, it gives us insight. And there's lessons that you and I can learn so that we can choose something better when it comes to our words. So for the next few minutes, I want to I show you four powerful practices, four powerful P's that I think that you and I can start putting into practice today that will begin to impact the relationships that we have around us when it comes to what comes out of our mouth, what comes out of your mouth and what comes out of my mouth. So the first P is this. There's power in the, in the, in the pause. There's power in the pause. James 1.19 says this, and this is one of our, for my wife and I and our, we have four boys. Uh, this is our, uh, yeah, four boys, I know. <laughs> eyes got real big over here. Uh, they're, they're, just so you know, they're 11, 9, 7, and 4. So eyes can get really big at that point. But this is one of our family verses that we say around the table because we realize this is really important. But it says this, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. And the way we do it in our house is, is we go, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. And our boys really get into that slow part and they go really slow. But that's how it is there. He's saying quick to listen and slow to speak. In other words, there should be a pause in there. One of the best things that you and I can begin to do that will radically change our relationships is if we hit the pause button before we say something. I think it's fascinating. You, you may not, but I do. Uh, neurologists have found that there is this little gap uh, between our brain and our speech. And I think it gives us hope that we can actually make a better choice with our words. One, of the, one researcher actually calls this the life-giving quarter-second. And, and what this is, is this gap between your brain and your mouth And researchers say that this life-giving quarter second, this one quarter second between the impulse in your brain and what comes out of your mouth, which doesn't seem like very much, but it gives you and it gives me a chance to pause before something comes out of our mouths. I mean, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand on this and, and do not nudge the person next to you, but how many of you can think of a time where if you had just hit the pause button, with something you said, it would have saved you a lot of grief, right? It would have saved you an argument. It would have saved you uh, hurting somebody's feelings. Proverbs 21, 23 says this, watch your words and hold your tongue. In other words, pause. You'll save yourself a lot of grief. See, there's power in the pause. Some of you, you just need to hit the pause button. The second P is this, there's power in planning. I can remember early on in my marriage, uh, my wife Stephanie and I, we decided that there were just words that we were never going to say. The word stupid. The word stupid is just not a word that we're ever going to use in our family. We're never going to say, that's a stupid idea. Well, that that was a stupid decision. You're stupid. We decided early on, we're never going to say that. We decided we were never going to, in response to something that one of us said, we were never going to say, whatever. We were just never going to do that. Uh, we decided that before the argument started, we decided what was in bounds and what was out of bounds. Before things got really heated in the moment, we just knew that there were things that were never going to enter in to some of our conversation. Some of you, you need to plan what you're going to say to someone. You'd be crazy not to because you have time and time again said things that you wish you hadn't said and it has gotten you into trouble. It has blown up a, a moment in a relationship and, and you've steered that ship into an iceberg and with the words that you have said. You need to plan, and I want to help you plan for just a second. So I want to put those P's on pause for just a moment, and I want you to ask yourself these questions before you have words come out of your mouth. As you're beginning to plan, I want you to use this this word think, all right? T is for true. Telling the truth is incredibly powerful. Now, you, if you're around me for any length of time, you'll know that I like to exaggerate some stories uh, to get some laughs and just to make a point. And my, my wife has kind of coined the phrase that I'm a drama king, not a drama queen. I'm a drama king with, with my stories. I can just really you know, see my arms get into it. And I just really get going, right? Well, Stephanie and I, early on, I decided that when we're having a serious conversation I, about kids or finances or... You know, as things get heated in marriage, as they tend to do, I planned ahead of time to tell the truth that I'm not going to exaggerate details to maybe swing things in my direction. I just wasn't going to do it. I'm going to tell the truth. H is, is it helpful? Because words kill, words give life. Is what I'm about to say poison or fruit? Is it helpful or destructive? I is, is it inspiring? Some of you need to, to pause and, and ask yourself, am I encouraging people with my words? Do, do, they, do my words energize the people around me? Do, do my words call greatness out of my kids, out of my grandkids, my employees? Are, are my words inspiring? N is necessary. In a fight, I'm not going to dig up old mistakes, current frustrations. Just not going to do it because it's not necessary. K, is, is it kind? It is what's about to come out of my mouth, this seems so elementary, but it can get lost in the moment. It is what's going to come out of my mouth loving and thoughtful? Does it show empathy, humility? Is it kind? If not, why even say it? Proverbs 21.5 says, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. Some of you in the room, I'm just telling you, you can't leave without a plan today of some of the things that you need to say or want to say and how you're going to say them. And learning to pause for that that brief life-giving quarter second and planning what you're going to say, it can make all the difference in the world to your husband, to your wife. It can make all the difference in the world to what your kids remember you saying. Your words matter to your boss, to your coworkers, to the guy at the drive-through. Your words matter. There's power in the pause, there's power in planning, and number three, there's power in positive words. Uh, in his book, "Soul Detox," Pastor Craig Rochelle says that he tries to live by a simple rule. And this is so good for us. If you think something good, just say it. If you think something why not say it to your husband why not say it to your wife to your son your daughter to your your co-workers to your friends your mom and your dad whenever you think something positive about them why not just say it or write a note or send a, a, a text message say it face to face let them know that you just thought something positive about them proverbs fifteen twenty three says how good is a timely word now, I told you that I have uh, four boys, and sometimes I'll take them to the, the grocery store to give my wife a little bit of a break. You know, it's only for a half hour or as long as we can manage. But there's times when it's just, if you've got kids, and you've gone to the store or watched people at the store with kids, you know it's just tough sometimes. And every once in a while, someone will come up and they'll just say, I just want to let you know you're doing a great job. Now, it costs them nothing to say that to me. But can I just tell you that, that, boy, it just gave me a little extra bit of energy to get through the, the, the no, we can't have that toy, or no, we can't have the candy, or hey, we're, it's time to head home now. And, and I just, how many of us love hearing or need to hear, I believe in you? I am so proud of you. I, hey, I, I love what you did with your hair. I, I know that's my favorite, right? <laughs> you didn't have to laugh that hard. Um. There are times, and in, in, in just, I need to hear those things. And you do too. And if you and I do, so does somebody else. Pastor Craig Rochelle goes on to tell the story of a guy named Scott. And he met Scott after church one day. And, and Scott had come down to, to the altar after the church to pray. And Scott just shared that he was deeply depressed. And in fact, for about 20 minutes, he told uh, Craig all the reasons that he didn't have to live. There, there was nothing to live for in life. And, and he, he says, I'm not good at anything. No one loves me. I'm never going to get married. I'm, I'm just a total failure in life. Well, Craig wasn't sure what to do. And so he just prayed this quick prayer you know, to himself and asked God for wisdom. And this idea came to him. And he, so he took out this notepad and he said to Scott, I want you to give me a hundred reasons that you have to live. So he started making, you know, one, two, three. Just said, what's the first reason you have to live? And Scott said, well, I already told you I have nothing to live for. Well, Craig wasn't backing down. And so he says, tell me something that you're good at. One thing that you're good at. And Scott said, well, you know, I'm a pretty good writer. Scott was the, the guy who did the, the company newsletter. Um, so Craig wrote, you know, good writer down. Well, Craig pressed in. Give me, give me some more. Give me another reason. What, are you, what else are you good at? After a moment, Scott thought, well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm, people tell me I'm funny. And so Craig wrote funny down on his paper. Well, what's number three? Scott said, well, I, I look like Robert Redford. And so Craig wrote down very funny as number three because <laughs> this guy looked nothing like Robert Redford. But as he wrote that down, it kind of broke the ice and and after about 45 minutes, Scott had filled all 100 spaces. And at the end of it, Scott was in a much better place, and they prayed together, and Craig gave him the number of a great counselor, and, and they left, and, and Scott came back, and they, they, he was there for several months. And then Scott ended up moving away, and Craig and Scott tried to keep track of each other, but they kind of lost touch. And, and years later, Craig writes this. He says, Can you imagine my shock? Twelve years later, when Scott walked up to me after church and introduced me to his wife and his son. And he tried to thank me, but couldn't get the words out through his tears. And then Scott pulled out from his wall this worn piece of paper with a hundred reasons to live on it. And he said, I'd carried it with me all this time. And then he handed it to me and said, I don't need that anymore. God has written a hundred new reasons to live on my heart. There is power in positive words. So who do you need to share with? Who do you need to say something positive to? Maybe you need to write 100 positive things for yourself. Number four is this. There's power in praise. James says there's a bit, there's a rudder, there's a, 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 a. you get to choose what comes out of your mouth. And some of you, you need to change the course of your horse and you need to praise, right? Some of you, and hear my heart on this, I'm just a guy walking in, but I love the church and I love what you guys are doing here. As I told you, I do watch online and I want you to win at what God has you doing here. But some of you, some of you, when you walk in, and the band is doing their thing and they do a great job and and they're doing what they're supposed to do which is getting you from your eyes focusing on here to your eyes focusing here some of you this is you and some of you this is you and some of you i'm not going to sing you can't get me to sing uh, you don't want me to sing right some of you there's no way We're getting you out of here and here, and I'm not singing. Now hear me on this. I'm not saying that if you do that, you don't have positive, you have negative words coming out of your mouth, although you might. What I'm saying is that when we worship, when we sing, when we choose to use our mouths to praise our Heavenly Father, it brings us life. It unleashes a a desire in us to honor Him. And if you don't believe me, just in a few moments, we're going to sing another song and we're going to give thanks. And and when we choose to praise, it actually centers us on the one who knows us, the one who loves us. So if you are somebody who has negative words, begin to replace those toxic words with words of joy and kindness and encouragement, words of life through praise. And I'm telling you, your Heavenly Father wants this not from you. He wants this for you. Our words can either start a fire of praise or a fire that that brings people down. Where might you need today to take a step? Do you need to to pause, stop before you say something? Do you need to to plan, think before you speak? Do you need to be more positive with the people around you? Do you need to bless them with what you say? Do I need to, do I need to, do you need to begin to praise? Again, in just a moment, we'll get that chance. But James says, all it takes is one match to set a fire fire that turns into a blaze that can bring everything we love down. Don't let that happen. Don't let that be the story that we write in 2020. Let's start getting control, checking what comes out of our mouths. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much uh, for this chance to be here today with, with people who are seeking your heart and We pray, God, that as you begin to move and stir in them of places that maybe they need to, to, to put a pause or a plan or that they need to, maybe this morning it is unfold our arms and begin to sing and praise you. God, I ask that you would move among us this morning, right now in this place, that we would begin to change the relationships by choosing something different that comes out of our mouths. May what come out of our mouths be fruit and not poison. God, give us the courage to do something with what we just have heard. Pray this in your name. Amen.